Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hey, Britt. Hey, Sam. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really well. So I think it's pertinent this week. I think we teased it a little bit on our last episode, but it didn't really fit into what we were talking about to talk about our fantastic work trip to Florida. Yes, I know. On the last episode, we talked about the fun half of the work trip, but the front half of it where we really were focused on work, we were able to meet some brands. We actually had a chance to meet 25 brands, which is pretty cool to meet that many brands all at once. And so we met leadership team, development directors, founders. We got to do some site tours. We had so much fun and met so many great people. Absolutely. And I think that for us, meeting those people and founders and the development directors and everyone on those brands is so imperative to our ability to show those brands and concepts to our clients. I think we talk a lot about how it's about the people and how, you know, making an investment in a franchise is a lot about logic, right? Does it check the logical boxes? Is it going to yield the return? All of that. But so much of why you buy into a franchise system is more personal. It's about your family and your goals and what fits kind of what you're looking for. And so until we get to know the team behind these brands, we don't know if they're going to be a good match from a culture perspective and they're going to be a good team to support our clients. And that's so much more important than people think right away. I think so many times we start to talk to clients of ours and they say, here's what I need. I need great margins. I need X amount of returns. I need it in this time frame. I want this budget. Here's the amount of time I have to give. And that's fine and dandy. And we definitely take all of those things into account when we're helping choose brands. But the people side of it, you're exactly right. It always comes down to personality matches and the way that things gel. And then I think on our side, it's really making sure that there are good people involved in the brand, that there are people standing behind that brand that we would want to be in business with. For sure. I mean, I say it a lot on previous episodes, but you're signing a 10, 15-year franchise agreement. You're going to be really supported by these folks for years. So we want to make sure that we're doing business with good people and bringing the right business partners to the table for these brands. And I think that is an absolutely great segue, great people, great brand to talk about the folks that we have joining us today. We have John Evans, founder and CEO of Everline. And we have Senior Development Director Mike Sampson, who is representing this brand with Franchise Fastly and part of our favorite franchise family. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, thanks so much. I'm uh, really excited uh, to be here. Brittany, Sam, can't uh, thank you enough for having us. Really excited to join you today. 
Yes, we're thrilled to have you. I personally love a B2B service brand. So the second that I heard this one was coming into the fast lane, I was super excited. And to know that you have someone in Mike representing it, I just knew it was one to watch. So I'd really like to start with you, John. And I want to understand a little bit about how you got started in the franchise space. Oh, I, I've been involved in the franchise space since I was a little kid. Uh, my my parents were multi-unit franchise owners uh, in Toronto through the uh, for us, I guess starting in the '80s and up until uh, currently, <laughs> I guess. So it's been uh, been a long road. So I've always been a part of that circle. You know, going to conferences, meeting other franchisees, things like that. Uh, so always kind of been around it. I, uh, throughout high school, working for franchisees, uh, uh, working you know the uh, through McDonald's or, uh, you know, other fr franchise brands all around. So being within and seeing how the systems work. Um, and then eventually, as I went into school and university, I went, uh, I, I was actually a franchisee myself for a brand called College Pro Painters. So they're a student house painting brand. And uh, yeah, just uh, I was able to operate there as a, as a franchisee for three years. And uh, got the franchise up to uh, one of the highest revenues in uh, the, I guess, the continent, really, throughout North America. And uh, yeah, just kind of as soon as I was finished with school, kind of outgrew the student painting program. I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And I was kind of being groomed a little bit into, hey, you're going to be the next general manager and run all these other new franchisees at the time. Uh, and I and uh, I was like, you know what? I think I got to go and run my own business and start something up there. So. Uh, yeah, and as uh, uh, so, I went and actually went to a franchise show because naturally drawn to franchising. Just to, you know, I was 23 years old at the time, uh, just going and trying to figure out where, uh, you know, what type of business I wanted to get into, and I ran into a company that was uh, licensing. They were not franchising, but they were licensing a new type of durable product uh, for uh, applying on uh, road markings because this was back in 2011. And there was about to be a ban uh, on certain traffic markings that last quite a while, like an oil-based, uh, and they're going to switch to water-based. So there was going to be a uh, a, be a big degradation in how long traffic paint was going to last. So I kind of knew that from my painting background through uh, through College Pro, and so totally understood. But they were licensing; they were not; uh, they were just licensing the technology. And so anyway, so started up uh everline coatings and services uh just fresh out of school in my backyard uh you know a truck and trailer just scraping everything together to make it all work uh but then coming from a franchise uh you know like college pro where i had systems and processes and marketing and back end and all that kind of stuff to nothing zero like no credibility no nothing uh out of it that was a uh, a shock and so you know it was kind of one of the first things I did was begin building systems, even for myself to use, because I was used to operating in that way. Uh, so yeah, and eventually as the business, you know, there's tons of war stories in between there. And as the <laughs> business grew and grew and grew, I uh, uh, we started franchising and that kind of thing. What a remarkable pivot from, and, and franchising so young is really rare. So mm -hmm. to be involved in the franchise world from really day one and then work all the way through, what did you learn? What were some of the lessons that you learned as a franchisee that you now are able to use as a franchisor? How did you leverage that? Well, I, I think the coming from a even from a franchisor perspective, being able to see, you know, through the lens of a franchisee, because it's one thing to, you know, be the founder of your own business and grow because the magic, you know, for a lot of people is them. They know how to run the business. And that was some advice I've received. We won the 
the first uh, IFA runs a program called the Next Gen Franchising uh, Program, and we won the first year that they ran that. And so I got some excellent advice right off the bat. And they said the magic could be you. You could be, you know, uh, the best at running this type of business just because of your natural personality. And some of the lessons that I learned though is is that being able to look at it through the guise of a franchisee, cutting that royalty check, do I feel good about it or not? Things like that. Do I feel good about the support I'm getting? Can I, you know, reach out and get the answers to my questions? Do I feel supported? So I just I, I remember very vividly what it felt like when I did feel like that and when I didn't feel like that. Uh, so that all those elements uh, coming together as as I've built up Everline is to take all that into consideration uh, anytime we do anything. We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we've flown out to beat brands and how important it is to us to meet the leadership team. And I was raised by a franchisor. And so I really think support is a huge part of how to choose a good franchise system. So we've mentioned the name Everline. So why don't you kick off telling us a little bit about what is Everline? What are the services that Everline offers? Absolutely. Everline Coatings and Services, we're a, a, a parking lot line striping and pavement maintenance company. Uh, so what we've done is we've brought the, uh, we professionalized and revolutionized the uh, the pavement maintenance industry by bringing forward a nationalized brand that we started off here in Canada. Uh, and we're actually uh, proven it so well here in a in a, uh, in a world where there's you know, only really five or six months of operation because we're just covered in snow for the rest of it. Uh, but no, we provide a premier service. We have, uh, uh, you know, systems that make the experience for our B2B clients uh, much smoother. Uh, and the key here is communication, communication, communication. So for, uh, you know, anybody who hires any type of contractor, a lot of them know it's a hard time to even get a hold of them, get an update, to understand how things are going, things like that. And when you, you apply that issue, and then you're also a very busy property manager who is typically who hires us. So for malls, retail centers, strip malls, like roadways, anything, uh, anywhere where there's pavement, uh, uh, concrete or asphalt, anything like that, uh, we can service that. But now it's the, when you're looking to a B2B, you have a property manager whose their phone is ringing off the hook. It's always a nonstop problem. My pipe is leaking here. I, you know, my roof is leaking there, whatever it is. Uh, and so just to have this as a challenge for them to find a quality contractor where they know where it's going to, how it's going to go, that they're going to get the value, they're going to get the great service and the right solution. Uh, we built Everline to solve that. And you talked a lot about business to business and different segments. There's many things you could have gotten into in the B2B world. Mm. Why parking lots? <laughs> why, why painting parking lots, et cetera? What, what appealed to you? Well, it goes all the way back to that franchise show I was telling you about, uh, like, you know, being able to uh, to understand, uh, you know, that there is a problem. Uh, and the problem is, is that there are it's very, very few uh, professional, well-branded, uh, you know, uh, solutions and value focused contractors in the space. And coming from being a student painter and let's be honest, I'd be 21 years old at the time professionally painting houses that are worth, you know, multi-millions of dollars. Uh, and they chose to go with me because I was able to present to them that I'm the person that they, that they can trust. It is less of a risk to hire us in that element. So I saw that opportunity that uh, parking lots were just in general, sorely missing this all across the board. And yeah, it's just uh, like the theory keeps proving itself over and over again. 
I love a need-based service, and this really feels like that, right? Good customer service, quality products, attention to detail, a need-based service for countless businesses. Everywhere you go, there's pavement, there's parking lots. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, I want to understand, where do you come into play here? So I mentioned Franchise Fastlane. Sam did in her intro. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you do, what your role is, and how you're involved in Everline. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to think of me and my role is I'm the tour guide that takes the candidate through the process. And at the end of the journey, we're going to find out two things. One is, are we a good fit for them? Meaning Everline, right? Do we check the boxes of what they're looking for? Uh, the other thing we're going to find out, are they a good fit for us? Right? So uh, I work with a lot of uh people coming from corporate America. So they'll get this analogy. There's dotted line reporting and I report straight into franchise fast lane. I'm their employee. And then, and then there's dotted line employee, you know, reporting. And that's where I go to John. I am basically a part of his team. Uh, I immerse myself into the brand. Uh, you don't see his colors cause you're not seeing the video, but you know, the, the brand logo has got green all over it. I bleed green. Uh, and I learn as much as I can. Uh, and then I take the candidates through the process. Uh, we work through about seven calls over about five to six weeks. Uh, so it's not intimidating, right? Let's get a little bit of information out there each week. Uh, and then at the end, uh, we uh, cap it off with a visit to Houston. Houston is where the U.S. headquarters is for Everline. Uh, so any of the candidates that have make it through to that point, come in, uh, meet the team, and, uh, and then get to make their decisions. So I am uh, uh, the tour guide that figures out uh, if this is going to be a good fit for everybody. That is the best way I have heard that described from somebody that from Brittany and I who did that for many years. I, I love that description, Mike. So for both of you guys, Mike and John, when you're taking these people on the tour and, and John, you're meeting them at the end when Mike has deemed them worthy of, of coming to a discovery day with you. What type of franchisees stand out as being the best fit for Everline? What are you guys really looking for in these candidates? Well, uh, right at that moment where we get the, the, the mic seal of approval, the, the knighting, if you will, uh, saying this is uh, the, 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 great, uh, uh, the great guy coming at us. Um, I would say really what we look for in a, uh, somebody who understands what you're coming into in a B2B type business just in general. Uh, you're chatting with, uh, like your clients are going to be people that you build long-term relationships with. Uh, these people tend to have multiple properties under their belt, multiple portfolios. Some will have a hundred McDonald's or, uh, 35 industrial properties or 80 Chick-fil-A's to do or, or what have you. And so they're looking for what I call one neck to strangle, but I would say a single vendor partner, uh, to, uh, to be able to get everything done. So. Uh, looking for, I guess the ideal uh, person is, is somebody who understands that you got to go out and build those relationships with those people. Uh, we provide all the tools uh, possible, all the knowledge, all the training, all that kind of stuff on the back end so that when you do show up to that meeting, uh, that uh, you first of all, get their attention because their phone is ringing off the hook with problems nonstop. And when you're calling them, you know, they're just gonna be like, Ugh, another this, another that. Uh, how to be able to just, you know, make it less of a cold call, more of a warm call, how to get their attention, how to talk about what they care about and how to begin those building uh, building blocks to building a great relationship. So it starts with all of that. 
Uh, next, you have, uh, I, I think, uh, equally important is not only the outbound uh, relationship building with clients, but also the internal relationship building with our people. Uh, the whole design is not to, uh, you know, it, it's like, it's kind of that old adage of, is there a, um, uh, like, if you take care of your people, you're going to, uh, they'll take care of your business. And so actually, from day one, one of uh, our uh, founding, uh, I guess, purpose statements has been we want to be considered a vehicle for personal professional growth for our people. So, you know, so that, you know, and I'm biased, a new Everline location opening is a very exciting thing, but more for the uh, really ambitious person who's not, who's looking to grow within an organization and, and attract, uh, or be, I guess, uh, work within an organization to be able to, uh, to grow within it because we grow very fast. And for any ambitious person uh, who's capable uh, and wants it and they get it, uh, then they are going to have a great opportunity to grow with the company. So it's being able to manage uh, both sides of it because uh, I found that's the recipe for success for a successful owner. And Mike, you know, tell me a little bit more about as you're working with candidates, you know, that day in the life, they're obviously going out there to try to win accounts and they're working with property management companies and then they have to manage a crew. I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like your franchisees are actually going out doing the labor portion of it. They're leading a team who is. Tell me a little bit more about that franchisee profile. Do they need to be full time in the business? You know, are there options? Help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, there's two roads to come, right? So let's talk about your semi absentee owner or call it semi passive. Uh, at the end of the day, they're going to keep a job, right? And they want to manage this as an investment. Nine times out of 10, they're setting up an exit of some kind, right? In two or three years, they want the business to be ramped up uh, so they can have more control uh, in their life and, and run their own business. The activities for Everline, which is the beautiful thing about this model, don't change whether it's an owner operator or a general manager, okay? So at the end of the day, the owner operator and the general manager will spend most of their time doing what John just described, relationship building, pipeline building, networking, build the funnel, work the client through all those support mechanisms that we have for marketing so that their crews can go out and just spend time doing work, right? So the semi-absent owner quite simply is gonna manage their GM. Just put it at that simple. Um, whether they can do five hours a week or 20 hours a week will determine the quality of GM they need. Right? If they can put more time into the business, uh, they can do more coaching and training and mentoring, uh, then they can take a newer GM and, and run with the business. Um, if they're more passive, right, or, or you know, it's going to be four or five hours a week, and usually it's in the morning or in the evening right, after their day job, they'll go get a, a more seasoned uh, general manager. But that GM is going to have sales experience, people leading experience. And we want to see a flare of B2B, right? They're going to be boots on the ground, hustle, drive, go make it happen. Um, and that's our semi-absentee path. Um, oftentimes, I find those semi-absentee owners know who that person is the day I do the intro call with them. Like they've planned for that. They know who they want to bring aboard. Um, if they need to hire, that's fine too. But oftentimes when they start thinking through their network, they come to the table with a GM. The other side's owner-operator. Okay, and and I, in my pipeline right now of people I'm working with, it's probably about 60, 65, 70% semi-absent. And then about, you know, the rest of the percent uh, owner-operator. And they're ready to make a clean break. They've had it. They've either been through a reorg or they're 
they're going to hit the exit button and they've had it. Um, same thing applies. They're going to come in, spend most of their time working with customers, working with accounts, working people through our marketing program. So either the owner operator or the GM is going to probably spend about 60, 65% of their time business development. Uh, then they'll spend some time managing the crew leaders. So you asked about the jobs. The beautiful thing in this model is there's a crew leader running the crew. So no matter if you have 10 crews or one crew, whether you have a couple night crews or day crews, it doesn't change the GM or the owner operator's uh, job. They're out working with clients and then they'll have touch points and check-ins with their crew leader uh, to, help, to manage them. And then guys, everybody's got admin stuff on the back end, payroll processing, that kind of stuff, same as any other business. But uh, if you're asking me what we're looking for, it's relationship driven, sales, B2B, hustle, drive. And the, the last thing I'll add uh, that I think is important, uh, some brands are more geared towards a single territory, like kind of owner operator, buy a job, so to speak. Because our biggest client is property managers, they're going to run multiple businesses across a city. So like Brittany in Atlanta, as an example, one property manager up north could have 50 properties they take care of down south. So you go get one of them, you can go serve all those buildings across that territory. So consequently, most of our owners are picking up, you know, three, four territories. You'd be called your empire builders or they're really looking to scale a big business because it's, it's that easy. You go get those property managers, they'll have multiple buildings to take care of, and then you go serve the entire city. That makes sense? Makes a ton of sense to me. I'm, I'm taking notes here, writing down like, okay, this is great points that I don't think I got from the presentation that we've seen before. And, and just so powerful. Empire builders are, are a really great breed of client. And you can be an empire builder while working in somebody else's empire, it sounds like, which is so rare in, in any business. So there's a lot of service-based businesses out there right now. It, they've really had a great run during the pandemic. You guys have tons of people out there looking. I own a service-based business. I know some of you guys do as well. People are falling in love with Everline. We have clients falling over themselves to get in line to head to these confirmation days. So what's different? What are they loving so much about it? Yeah, let, let me take a swing at that um, because I've represented multiple service brands. Um, and, and some of these things are the reasons I fell in love with it as well. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate to work with Franchise Fastlane. I think right now we have 18 brands uh, in the inventory. Uh, we have a lot of choices who we want to go represent. So um, these are both things I've heard from candidates and, and things that really drew me to the brand. And you started talking earlier in, in your show about people and the match and, and you know, all the brands that Fastlane have have phenomenal uh, financials and, and you'll find a lot of businesses in the industry that have good financials. Everline has amazing financials. Um, but what drew me is not a lot of brands have a founder and CEO that was a franchisee. Okay. So people are going to start vetting culture. And is it a corporate culture? Is it a private equity culture? Is it kind of black and white? White it is what it is. And then, and then there's what's called a franchisee-centric culture. And those are things that are important to me that I look for in a brand I represent. 
when you see the decisions made and you actually dive in and look at the support, you're going to notice a, a franchise agreement, an FDD, and a, a whole op model that was built on how do we support the franchisee, right? And, and some of the things were experiences, and I've talked to John, and why did you set this up and why did you set that up, were things he liked from, from his prior experience as a franchisee. Most of what he set up was, hey, if I could ever do it different again, this would have helped me. And guys, I'm talking about support and marketing, lead generation, um, just simple things of managing a CRM and automations and content created for me, business coaching, field support, ramping up, like you name it, it's all from the lens of how do we get somebody to open and do it quicker and do it bigger uh, than you know the person prior. So first and foremost for me, it was that franchisee-centric lens that uh, will blow people away. It, it, it did me. The second thing I think is differentiating, and Brittany, me and you have had some conversations about this, um, get in your car and tell me where you go that doesn't have a parking lot. So part of the things people vet and check is like, what's the size of the industry? What's the size of the prize? Where do I get my customers? Um, it's endless, whether it's a church, <laughs> a bowling alley, a grocery store, an airport, just on and on and on and on. Uh, it's probably one of the, the biggest upsides of this industry is, is the amount of work you can do. And you don't have uh, corporate competition in your backyard. Uh, there is no corporate pavement maintenance company out there. Uh, you know, at best, you'll find some very small franchisees that isolate in maybe one portion of what we do. Um, but this is an industry filled uh, with mom and pops, and it's extremely fragmented. So I love that. And candidates love that. They can come in, bring the Everline engine in. Uh, we can block out the sun and go get as much of that uh, work as we possibly can. And candidates see it, they feel it, and they love it. Uh, those are two big things of why people are loving Everline right now. And I just want to just expand, I guess, on something Mike just said, um, uh, you know, about you know, you can find others that stick with uh, like a one of our services because like, I mean, that's the bonus is each one of our services that we offer for line painting, asphalt repair, uh, uh, seal coating, crack filling, uh, power washing, parking lot, sign installation, uh, interior floor coatings, all that kind of stuff. It goes on each one of those things. There's a franchise like for each one of those pieces there. And that's kind of what's made our uh, our company so adaptable to markets big and small. So whether you're in a rural area or you're in a, an, an urban area, uh, you're able to adapt to whatever is uh, is clicking more in that, that particular area. It's not designed so that you're a mile wide inch deep, that uh, we have deep, uh, I guess, intensive training in each one of those uh, pieces there. And we just lean into whatever trends are in each, each local market and that kind of thing. Um, Coming from a franchisee to a franchisor perspective, um, you know, I, like to me, like originally Everline started at, in Canada as a line painting only franchise, right? It was, that was, that's how we got started. That was a bread and butter. But then as we expanded and, and throughout Canada into the great white North tundra, where there's just like, we're really spread out and there's no, not a whole lot there. We had to adapt to, to those different conditions. And that kind of led to the discovery of the multi-service approach. Because what this means is that you can actually create 
unit sizes that uh, are really endless in the amount of, uh, I guess, the amount of revenue size that you can get up to, uh, depending on how deep you go into each one of these services that could be their own businesses. So coming uh, from a franchisee to franchisor, one of the key things is our key strategic pieces is that we are a best in class franchisor, like in service brands and just in general, because we provide a model that uh, that gives, uh, I guess, a piece or a, a business that a franchisee could be very excited about that sort of thing. And the other thing that I think is worth talking about that, that again, I think Sam, me and you chatted about uh, at one point is at first, the owner or GM is going to go do business dev on their own, right? That that's a B2B play. That's why people love it. Uh, go in, win the account, uh, use your sales, uh, you know, proficiency, use all of, our, all of Everline's marketing tools, go land some accounts. Uh, when you guys help us fill in the U S with franchise candidates, that then allows John and his team to go get national accounts. And people love that. They're like, look, I can go get my business up and running. Then the phone call is going to come and that's just going to take me to another level. So there are some heavy hitting brands that they're taking care of up in Canada, like Home Depot, Lowe's, 7-Eleven, Costco, just to name a few. And, and think about it for a second. Those brands, they want a national presence. They don't want hundreds and hundreds of local kind of owner, operator, mom and pops taking care of them across the U.S. So uh, when we come down into the U.S., we get, you know, the top 20, 30 cities filled in. Then now John can go turn that corporate team loose uh, to go get those national accounts. And people love that. But they're already contacting us. And I've just have, I had to say to my executive team, can the floodgates just hold, please, <laughs> just a little bit? <laughs> so. That's amazing. That's amazing that the floodgates are already opening. I want you guys to touch on one piece. It's something that I personally really fell in love with about this model when I heard about it. It's the value proposition to the customer, right? Of being able to save the money in some ways. So mm -hmm. if you could touch on some of that for me, I think that would be really interesting. Absolutely. So kind of uh, uh, going back to an earlier piece that we were just talking about is, you know, why this why this industry and i said it well it's because it really hasn't been developed and what what that also means is is that you know it hasn't quite attracted people that can educate their clients properly like let alone through marketing but through more of an advanced longer term uh, i guess uh, a method of uh, of completing this work that's required and so uh you have to come to a realization that you know pavement in general is misunderstood and mismanaged and it's up to somebody to educate uh, uh, these clients. And so we've developed what we call the preventative pavement maintenance program. And what that does is that it looks at your pavement as an asset. So you have uh, property management firms, retail, uh, uh, I guess, chains, restaurants all across. They have millions upon millions upon millions of square feet that they have to that right now they may not know how to properly take care of that. And if you add it all up, it, you, like you're able to, uh, if you say, hey, listen, if you just look at this in a different way, if, hey, listen, we get your, uh, you know, this for these first couple of years, we're going to repair this, we're going to rejuvenate this, get your, uh, your, I guess, your pavement asset up to speed. So then now it's just a low cost maintenance program kind of ongoing because we've just done what needs to be done. You're going to double the life, the expected life of your pavement. So, I mean, you're getting twice the amount of time out of it and it costs so much to uh, to lay down uh, pavement or to lay down asphalt, to lay down concrete, 
all that kind of stuff. And we we're just finding ways to, how do we delay that by 15, 20 years? Yeah, the, the folks listening to this podcast will never look at parking lots the same way again. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's the curse. You're going to see every crack, every pothole, every faded line. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. The second I heard about it, now I pay attention to every single parking lot. <laughs> it hurts. It doesn't stop. <laughs> Here's what I learned about what John was talking about. If we can come in and, and seal the cracks, we can prevent the cracks from, be, from being potholes. But normally, those property managers are moving so fast and putting out so many fires that they're not thinking about that. So it's not even really uh, changing the budget they have. It's taking that budget and spreading it across the entire parking lot so it just looks better, it presents better, and they're not always using that money for just massive repairs. Um, in, in our franchisees will go in there, understand their budgeting cycle, in many cases, they'll build the relationship where they hand the budget in. Like, here's what we need to do this year. Here's what we need to do next year. And then you're writing yourself into the budget of that property. Uh, so that's what John was talking about with the maintenance program. And, and again, has our franchisees so excited about it. Pavement maintenance program, a word I never thought would become part of my vocabulary or that would become this appealing to me. And I will say Costco parking lots are my favorite. The spots are bigger. The lines are thicker. I don't know if that's science, but I do love parking in them as a horrible driver. So thank you for your service, John and Everline team. Uh, on I, that uh, one. We're, we're here to help. We're absolutely here to help. <laughs> Perfect. Bad drivers everywhere unite. <laughs> so I would love to pivot a little bit from parking lots to back to people. You have built an incredible business, Mike. You are one of the best in franchise development at connecting with candidates, just really making sure that you do right by the businesses that you represent and by the clients that you work with. I would love to just know from both of you guys, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Ooh. Pause. <laughs> well, hey, I'll, I'll jump in on that because uh, it's fairly recent. Um, so I, just so everybody understands, I got about 20 years of, of sales experience, you know, that, that is listening to the show. Uh, and I spent a lot of time with Best Buy and, and T-Mobile and those sales models are built a lot around lifestyle selling. So I've grown up in an industry where you're trying to figure out what's the person looking for. That, that's the magic. What's the problem you're trying to solve? And then just matching it with, whatever products you have in the building, right? Like here's what we have. Does it make a good fit? And I think the, the, the success I've had is taking that same strategy and you're not going to sell a candidate into investing their kids college fund or life savings or, you know, their 401k into anything like a franchise or, or insert X. So this is, process isn't sales. What you're going to do is, is you understand the lifestyle of the person you're working with, and, and then you try to have a match, right? So it's more teaching and educating. At first, it's educating and teaching about the brand, and then it's educating and teaching, okay, if you like it, here's how we go buy it, right? And then educating and teaching, here's how you go dominate in it, right? So its whole uh, process is built a lot around lifestyle. And then back to the question you asked it is don't try to sell anyone anything. And I got that advice very early. Uh, from some people that are, are well-respected in this industry. And, and 
it resonated with me because that's the whole industry I grew up in is just lifestyle selling uh, and really just taking and making a match. Does it work or doesn't it? And, and then you move forward accordingly. Um, for me, uh, I think it goes into simply how you uh, operate on a daily basis. One of my mentors who I've, I've uh, kept in touch with for, uh, for many, many years now, actually varies. You know, I remember I, uh, he's a, a franchisor based here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. He, uh, you know, he kind of took me in early on, even long before we were, we were starting the franchise. I said, Hey, I have this new product uh, to put down and I think it's pretty cool. This is my business I'm starting. And he's, uh, still, still with me as I've, as I've gone on. And one of his piece of advice he gave me is just always operate with passion, urgency, and excellence. And that burnt right into my DNA as an entrepreneur. Uh, you gotta be just a, your blood just boiling and just passion over what you're doing uh over what you're building and, and kind of to mike's point of this has to kind of build into your lifestyle it's that hey like if it is part of that and you're not standing against the grain you're just going to be able to just kill it naturally but you got to be two feet in and honestly like uh as everline got started i remember you know you have uh everline started small we were growing 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 but you, you're you always there's always the grass is greener here and there things like that as you're starting a business in its infancy uh through all the challenges that come and uh, it was once that moment when i said you know what i think i'm i think i'm just going to go two feet in on everline and see what happens that's when the magic really started happening so um i think that was a, a really key piece here urgency urgency with anything that occurs uh i think anybody will know mike will know you, you text me you call me email me any and my franchisees as well you gotta get you get you get back uh on that uh, as, as much as you possibly can just in out in out of tasks uh and uh, i found that that's actually been a key element to how our everline franchisees have been so so successful is because we teach them to operate with proactive urgency uh to get ahead of things uh, within their market so that you're ready as soon as the client asks for them and that kind of thing and then of course excellence being uh that you're not uh you know you're not building anything to be you know the bottom of the pack or middle of the pack uh, i very much enjoy being a high performer uh, th uh through my entire lifetime that's where it's always been and uh, just to put it into those those words of uh just you have to operate with excellence is what you're doing considered excellent uh, just to do a self-analysis of that what does it take to to get it to get what you're doing to this point uh, then you start naturally acting that way it just becomes a part of your habits a certain way right so uh yeah i think that's that's like i gotta land with that of all the advice i've received that piece what great pieces of advice thank you for sharing that with us help me understand one last piece here i want to understand your personal compelling reason for being in franchising so john i'll give you a breath i'll kick it over to mike first mike you've been in franchising for a while now you talked about being with best buy and t-mobile but i know you from the franchising space for a bit now so tell me your personal compelling reason for moving into franchising Oh, Brittany, you're going deep on me now. <laughs> I know. I give you the hard questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in 20 years of multi-unit, you know, retail positions, um, I've led many teams through reorgs where I was telling team members that reported to me they no longer had a job. And I was personally impacted five different times. And uh, I got to the point where, 
I didn't want to have somebody else's decision impact my family's quality of life or our livelihood. And, you know, oftentimes, and anybody listening to this that's been through corporate America knows, reorgs oftentimes have very little to do with, you know, you could be the number one performer in in your area, and it could be more geography-based than why you get displaced. Um, so I actually uh, got into the industry through a good friend that, that I grew up in retail with. He had jumped into franchising earlier, and I just had a call with him one day and, and shared my frustration. And uh, the next day I was on an airplane going to do an interview. And w- when I started learning about franchising, I wish I would have done it uh, 10, 15 years earlier. Um, I don't regret the years I've had in retail. Uh, it taught me how to be a good franchisee and, and do this job well. But uh, that's why is I want to control my life, um, my family's livelihood. And I don't want somebody else's mood or decision <laughs> to impact us uh, in a very negative way. I want that control. That's a great answer. I mean, I think a lot of times we talk to people about, we ask them on the first call, you know, why are you considering franchising? Why are you looking at options with us? That's something we always ask. You have to have that motivator or that why. So thinking about your family, putting them first, having that control, I think that's really great. What about for you, John? I mean, you've been around franchising your whole life. I can relate to that. What made you decide that you wanted to kind of follow in your your parents' footstep and be in franchising yourself? Well, going back to me being, um, I guess, uh, uh, I guess a free agent after kind of being out of the the college pro uh, uh, franchising world, immediately going into a franchise show just to kind of get it going because I think there's nothing more exciting, but also at the same time frustrating as an entrepreneur or somebody who's always wanted to run their own business to not have an idea yet of what they want to do. Right. Uh, like I, I know I want to start something. I know I want to be my own boss, but what? And then you start saying, hey, I, I'd love uh, to start up a, a jacuzzi store. And then you look it up online and uh, you find there's a 10 million jacuzzi stores. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Right. Or you're, or you'll say, I want to start this restaurant. I want to start a pizza joint. And you realize there's a pizza hut across the street, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, I find that franchising provides, uh, you know, a person with that energy, that know how being a plug and play into that, uh, that, that, I guess, people that have more or less figured out best practices to be successful in whatever world they want. There's, there's a franchise for almost everything uh, out there. And so people can choose from that point from a, a proven model. Now, on a personal side, uh, you know, like it really excites me when there are franchisees or franchisors that are franchisee centric. I mean, that's how we're, we're trying to run our, our, uh, our shop over here. And uh, the franchise centric, you know, makes it so that the people that do make that leap, that they're going to do it, that there is a true desire to um, uh, that they're going to grow and hit their goals, that they are happy and pleased with whatever move they made, that they've uh, that they've been able to uh, uh, to jump in there. So, I mean, like that is exciting in itself. But from from my perspective, you know, the reason why we, we franchise Everline instead of, uh, I guess, you know, going one by one by one uh, for corporate units, that kind of thing was just the really exciting nature that growth brings. And I said earlier that it's exciting for a brand new franchise, uh, Everline location to open up. They grow really fast. I, I'm i addicted to the, you know, I, I hear, uh, you know, messages every day. Hey, I booked this job. I booked this job after 
uh, you know, many tries. I got this person. Uh, somebody just posted in our franchisee Slack channel today. Hey, the marketing system is working. This person, I finally got a hold of them and I booked it. I'm like, yes, yes, every time. Like it's uh, it's addicting uh, in such a way. So I'm a junkie in that piece. There. <laughs> there, this is so tangible. Just that you guys have Mike and John, just a passion for people, a passion for pavement. A passion for painting pavement. Mm. I, I'm just so grateful to you guys for joining us today. I'm jazzed about this concept. We're so excited to show it to more of our clients. And if anyone listening to this is wondering about John's commitment to his franchisees and his job, he let us know at the top of this before we started recording, he actually has added a baby boy to his family yesterday and did not reschedule his podcast with us today. So that is commitment. Yes, yes. It uh, took some some talking with, uh, with the wife, but uh, we were here. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate it. Congratulations on the new addition to your family. Mike, so great to see you as always. John, so happy to have you. So thank you guys again for joining us on this episode to talk more about Everline. Brittany, Sam, thanks. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you, guys. So if you would like us to find your next match, you know where to find us. You can email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Find us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website at franpathconsulting.com to fill out your free business assessment. Have a great week.